Have you heard of the Celesta? Well, unless you're a magician or a music player, probably not. But I'm very, very sure, like almost 100% sure that you've heard one. Ready? You know that sound, the unmistakable bell-like sound of Tchaikovsky's Sugar Plum Fairy. This distinct sound is played at Christmas time everywhere, elevators, department stores, commercials, holiday concerts, and even in your car. And now you know, that's the sound of a Celesta. The Celesta produces a unique, enchanting sound that can be described as bell-like or whimsical, but it's actually very much like a piano and contains an impressive mechanical system of felt hammers, which is what makes it sound so much warmer and more pleasant. Tchaikovsky discovered it when he stopped in Paris on his way to the opening of the Carnegie Hall in New York in 1891. He was searching for an instrument that would sound like, quote, drops of water shooting from a fountain. The unique sound of Celesta was exactly what he was looking for, and he sent a letter ordering one immediately from the Celesta's inventor, Victor Mustel. The piercing notes of the Celesta added a magical quality to the Sugar Plum Fairy's dance and infused the composition with an arethal, memorable charm that resonated with audiences worldwide. Here's the thing. Tchaikovsky's willingness to embrace something totally different and innovative not only contributed to the enduring appeal of the Nutcracker, but also really serves as a powerful reminder that stepping outside of our comfort zones and trying something new can actually lead to extraordinary and unexpected delights. This includes how we see sugar or treats during the holidays, which can often unfortunately be seen in a negative or scary light. Hence that title, Sugar Plum Fairies and Sugar Scaries. But our hope for you with this episode is that you'll walk away with something different, a new perspective, and that maybe, just maybe, you'll be as excited as Tchaikovsky was when you bravely go hunting for something different and find it. Are you ready to change your tomorrow and start feeling good again? You're in the right place. Grab your coffee and together, let's start doing wellness differently. I'm Heather Young, a certified personal trainer. And I'm Jennifer Klutz, a registered dietitian nutritionist. Join us for conversations that will inspire you to ask better questions, remove the overwhelm, and discover what you can do to change your health now. Welcome to the Critical Conversations Podcast. Do you have a favorite holiday treat? Of course. (laughs) I know. What's your current favorite holiday treat? Current favorite holiday treat would definitely be our grandma's imitation rum pie. Mmm, which you hated as a kid. Absolutely hated. <laughs> I guess hate's a little strong. No, it's not, because no. I remember having to eat some of yours for you sometimes. Yes. <laughs> proof that, that our taste buds change. True. Also mm. proof that we've been partners for life. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> that they could push that by right on over, and uh-huh, I, knew and I would you trade would eat you it. for cookies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, because when I was a kid, it was definitely the peppermint candy cane cookies. Oh, I love those. Because they're such a labor of love to make. Yes. So tedious to braid. You have to braid them. Yes. Those are are actually my favorite holiday treat. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. Our grandmother no longer can make them, but I've never had anyone else make them that made them taste exactly like hers. Yes. She put a special something in there. I think that's the thing is when people love making something... They do a little dash extra of something (laughs) or even if it's just the love within it, it changes the taste. 
That's why I think this conversation is so important, because if we have a confusing relationship with how to interact with treats or sugar, it can prevent us from experiencing and being present in moments that truly matter, because you never know when something is the last time you get to enjoy it. It's true. And that's something we obviously are experiencing at this point in our lives with grandma. And for everyone out there, it's like it's easy to get wrapped up in those sugar scaries, which is in the title, instead realizing that we're actually talking about family gatherings, the holidays, parties, the things that make up the memories of our life Mm -hmm. and often involve people we love and There's something so beautiful in that, that that's why we want to have this conversation, because Mm -hmm. it's bringing back just the joy and the the lifelong memories that can come from that. And I think we all know that instinctively, which is why this was the number one asked for conversation when we put up the poll and we asked you guys what you wanted in holiday content. You said it a lot of different ways, but it was all this thing. How do I deal with sugar at the holidays? How do I stop eating too much sugar at the holidays? Can I I stop eating sugar at the holidays? Yeah, lots of different variations. And I know, because I live with Jennifer, she's helped me so much, but I know that this is a new way to look at it. It's not another similar conversation where we're going to just say, oh, sugar is scary and don't eat it and try to use willpower. This is a deep dive into the mindsets and the why behind why you may be that person who can't stop eating sugar to just blow the lid off of a whole different way to approach it. So hang with us as we go through these mindsets because I believe that all of them um, collectively are going to potentially hopefully shed some light on where your mindset is around sugar. Yes. The goal within this is for you to have a new way to think about treats, desserts, and sugar, just in general, but especially around the holidays. And I completely understand the challenges of navigating the holiday season, especially when it comes to sugar, because it's the number one conversation I have with clients. Yeah, especially this time of year. Yes. And it's it's currently the most villainized food right now as far as like social or, in, or with headlines, right? The entire message around sugar is to make it completely scary. Now, this is something interesting. And I don't want to get off track, so we're going to dive into those mindsets. But I had seen a study where, again, when you go really deep, guys, and you look at the actual research, mm-hmm. it's not actually sugar that's the problem. It's the weight gain around having too much sugar, which we're getting a hit on it from all sides. But it's the weight gain. It's not really just the sugar, but we treat it as in like it's the sugar. That's the problem. Yes. So the deeper layer of saying this, it's the metabolic processes that get changed when you overconsume anything that leads to weight gain or fat gain as how I like to refer to it. Like when your body fat percentage goes up, and it starts to create metabolic changes, that's where the disease risk comes in. Yes. So I think what people struggle with is you're given this message that sugar is bad. You potentially set up rules for yourself around it or have a newfound fear of it, or it has become the sugar scaries. And instead, if we can reset those, it becomes something you can really engage with in a really healthy way. Yes. So the goal with this is to be slightly cheesy, is that in the Nutcracker, The Sugar Plum Fairy Dance, they're doing that dance because they are celebrating that the Mouse King has been defeated. Yes. And that's part of why we picked this title is because we want this to lead to your ability to celebrate when you get to eat treats and to have 
a joyful mindset around it and to not have a scary mindset around it, to not be afraid to make that choice. Okay, I'm usually the one who digs into all of these examples. So I love that you're doing that. And you are the one who had the idea for this title. So I'm here for it. And let's dive in. I believe mindsets are first because that's where it starts. Yes. The why. I do have to put one more disclaimer on this before we start this conversation, which is I want to emphasize one essential point that while this episode is going to provide general information that will be valuable, it is not tailored to address individual food needs or eating disorders. So your journey to a healthier relationship with food definitely deserves personalized attention, guidance, and support from qualified professionals. Because this conversation is not designed for individual needs. It's not. Besides that, this conversation is not all-encompassing. We're not breaking down the difference between total carbohydrate consumption in your diet versus just sugar. This conversation is focusing on sugar and treats and desserts. It's not focusing on the nuances within dietary patterns. So we're going to be diving into the behaviors and the emotions that drive unwanted behavior or patterns around treats, desserts, and sugar. Good. I'm glad you remembered to put those in there. So now as we dive in, We're digging into the mindsets first. So what's a number one mindset that you see that derails having a really healthy, joyful relationship with enjoying holiday treats and eating sugar that then flips into, I can't stop eating all the sugar? It's grounded in the perceived lack of control. Mm -hmm. So most of us are seeking control and with sugar And with treats and desserts, the narrative around it is that you can't be trusted, you shouldn't be eating this, and you're the reason why you can't stop eating it, right? So this perceived lack of control with these specific foods. And this is grounded also in what we would call black and white thinking or all or nothing thinking. Mm. So they go hand in hand, the lack of control or the perceived lack of control And then this black and white belief system. So the black and white belief system is how they are trying to implement control? Yes. Because we have this thinking in general. Like, especially when we're little, we only think in black and white. But black and white thinking leads us to a false sense of control, right? This It's either in or it's out, right? And we do this with life, right? This overlays how we interact in life. So if you're someone who's generally fearful or more anxious or you're a people pleaser, you are going to tend to have this type of thinking more than someone else. You're going to struggle to understand what moderation is because it's frankly, it's a joke to you. You don't think moderation exists because This black and white thinking, this all or nothing, leads itself to just being in versus out, where you're always over-consuming or you're not consuming. So you've never experienced moderation. You haven't been around sugar and not been able to stop eating it. It can't be in your house, right? So often this thinking is you hear, I usually hear it from clients of, oh, I figured out that I just can't have it in my house. 
As long as it's not in my house, then I don't eat it. If it's in my house, then I do eat it. Well, specifically eat all of it. Right. There's no breaks, right? Right. Which is the all or nothing. So you have to have nothing. Otherwise, you're just going to experience the all part. You go between the two, right? So your pantry either includes all the treats or your pantry includes no treats. So the per- it's a perceived sense of control, right? So the belief system is you're getting control by having none. So when someone goes to a party and they're like, okay, this I have this pattern. I'm always eating all the sugar. Mm-hmm. I can't stop. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm not going to eat any. I'm going to be so good at mm-hmm. this party. Mm-hmm. And then they still eat all of it. That's all or nothing thinking. That is all or nothing thinking. Because it leads you to what I call the, oh, I might as well mentality. Or So because, because you believe that indulging in one treat means giving in to all the temptations, right? So you either are supposed to have no treats or the might as well leads you to all the treats. Because again, it becomes all because you think the reset, the gaining back control comes back to you not eating any. So your future self is not going to eat any. You don't have permission. It becomes a none, right? It often also sounds like I'm going to eat this now, not later. So if you're, you catch yourself saying that, it is another way to say all or nothing thinking? Yes, because all of your choices are grouped together. So the foundational principle here that's missing is that when you have a healthy relationship with food, they're not linked. Or I think like dominoes, right? So if you have all or nothing thinking and you go to the party and you Mm -hmm. have your first cookie when you said, I'm not going to eat any, you are imagining you've tipped over the domino and now all the dominoes into your future are falling. Yes, you believe you've wrecked it. Right. Versus saying, but this was a single domino and I could put it down or pick it up or tip it over or do anything, but it doesn't affect any of the other dominoes or other choices I will make at future meals on future days. Yes, because currently that belief system, because it's attached to all other outcomes, they believe the cookie was the problem. But the cookie was never the problem. It was the belief about what the cookie was doing or not doing. That's the problem. Okay, so since this is the one that you come across most commonly, what's driving that? The belief that, again, all versus nothing. So once you believe that eating just a little means that you've caused harm or you have wrecked what often most people are working towards, oh, I've wrecked my weight loss progress, I've wrecked my health goals progress, I've ruined it. Once you believe that that's the truth around any treat, then it's going to drive the belief that, oh, well, then I might as well. I might as well eat more. I might as well have another cookie. And then eventually that typically leads to, oh, well, I might as well finish them because I've already ruined it. I've wrecked it. I did it again. And so you get stuck in this cycle over and over again because once one means that you've wrecked it and your goal is none, then you just keep getting trapped over and over again because you were never meant to eat none, most likely. Yes, correct. Treats are a part of a healthy relationship with food. And that's what frustrates me the most because I see people try so hard to rely on motivation and willpower and the rigidity of none and fail 
and then end up eating so many cookies. And they don't understand that if you laid out the calories of if you had enjoyed a few cookies Mm -hmm. and that was it, you were done because you were not living in all or nothing, you were living in moderation, those calories never would have resulted in weight gain. It's the 15 cookies you had because you were trying for none that just shoots you into where sugar gets its reputation for causing weight gain because you probably were limiting yourself in how you were thinking about it and you ended up going for the well I wrecked it experience first you have the which is an insane amount of calories at that point that your body then has to deal with that wasn't very nice to your body within this conversation right you have a lot of mindsets that actually are built or stacked on top of each other Mm -hmm. and so often people get stuck because they don't understand that they're I love the domino analogy. Their dominoes are stacked against them and they just keep tumbling into a new belief system that leads them exactly where they don't want to because a lot of these beliefs are coming from diet behavior where believing that if you have any, you're not going to get the outcome you want. But layered on top of that is also with dieting is this belief system and this mentality that food shouldn't be enjoyable. You shouldn't like the taste of it. You shouldn't want treats. You shouldn't like dessert. And that is, in fact, false. We absolutely are designed to get pleasure from food. We're supposed to get those feel-good chemicals that are often villainized within the conversation of sugar. You know, it's, it's literally like, oh, you're addicted to it because you like eating it. No, your brain is supposed to light up with pleasure from the act of eating. And it will light up with certain foods more than other foods. And then once you have a relaxed understanding of, oh, we're supposed to enjoy food. Food is supposed to be enjoyable. Then that narrative that I often see, which is, I can't believe I like cookies. See, my problem is that I like cookies. You don't understand, Jennifer. I like cookies. And my answer back is always, Thank goodness you like cookies, because if you didn't like cookies, I would be a little worried or whatever your favorite treat was, because you are absolutely supposed to enjoy foods that taste good. And that's always shocking for people to hear of like, I'm sorry, can you say that again? Because you just told me I should like cookies. Yes, you should like cookies. It would be odd if you didn't like cookies. They taste good. Food is supposed to taste good. So one changing the foundational principle of, oh, I'm just supposed to like food that tastes like cardboard. You're not. You will never keep eating just food that tastes like cardboard. You will revolt because God made us that way, right? Because if food wasn't enjoyable, we wouldn't remember to do it. He was like, they're going to mess this up. So we absolutely need to make sure that they want to eat food that there this is an enjoyable process because on top of that on top of that enjoyment are feel good chemicals that get released it actually helps us de-stress it actually helps our body have lowered inflammation when you enjoy a meal they've done studies on this when you sit down and you're with people and you enjoy it and the conversation no matter what you eat mm-hmm. if you actually relaxed you had an enjoyable experience you walk away from that table with less inflammation. And you're healthier. You are healthier. So that's why a foundational reframe or change in mindset is one, food is meant to be enjoyable. We're not scared of enjoying food. 
that's necessary and needed. And how amazing is that? So it eliminates the nothing, the need for the nothing side of the all or nothing thinking. Yes, because cookies, desserts, treats are a part of healthy eating. Mm-hmm. They're not something you're trying to never eat again. They get to be a part of your eating experience. And for a lot of people, I, I, I just want to mention most of these lines of thinking that get distorted, they came from external sources, people you trusted, uh, media, et cetera, all of these different places. It wasn't necessarily, we always try to take personal blame for everything. This has been hardwired into you for a while, especially the all or nothing, which is so common. So one, you can take a deep breath as you listen to this conversation to be like, wait a second, I've been given uh, a mentality of thinking about sugar that's driving me to feel out of control around it when I can take a step back with what we've just talked about and potentially have a different way of approaching it. I especially like what you just shared about how relaxing and enjoying the meal, you walk away in such a healthier state in your body. So it's okay to admit that you're thinking this way so that way you have the opportunity to change it and try something new on. Or like Joukowsky, find a whole different version of a piano that sounds like bells and waterfalls. So if someone's identifying with the way that you're describing this, what are their first steps for trying something on that's new this holiday season? So the first step is first realizing that you I love that you mentioned that these beliefs or how our behaviors around food were often mimicking the people that we were around as we were growing up. True. So you get to choose if you want to keep maintaining these mindsets. Are they serving you? Are they helping you? Do you feel good with them? And in general, the answer is no. But two, what I often see is or hear is you don't understand I've been trying to change this for 20 years. You don't understand I'm every holiday is the same. Every holiday is the same. And the new way of thinking, the reframe is, you are the solution. You get to change it. You are not the problem. Mm-hmm. You are the solution. I love that. So that's step one. You are the solution. You can do it differently. You are not a lost cause. You are not addicted to sugar. And how exciting that you get to change how you interact with it. You can be present. You don't have to disassociate. You don't have to freak out. You don't have to stress. You are not going to mess it up. You get to make decisions. You get to make choices that you're happy with, that you enjoy, because you are using a new playbook for interacting with desserts and treats. So we first start with recognizing and hearing black and white thinking. Mm -hmm. So this does sound differently to each person, which is why individual coaching might be really beneficial for you, because sometimes people struggle to identify what it sounds like. They'll think they don't have it, but they do. Yes. So the first step within that is one, starting to hear that and not being scared of it. Don't be judgmental with yourself. Instead, recognize that most of us have this thinking or have had this thinking and have had to change it. This is not a unique to you problem. Society-wise, we are taught to think like this around sugar and treats and desserts. So it's taking a step back and saying, I don't have to judge myself for the dialogue I'm hearing in my head. Instead, let's be curious. Let's hear it. Let's decide if I want to keep sounding like this. Do I, do I want to keep saying this to myself? And that allows us to calm ourselves down and to not think that we need to stress about those desserts that we're seeing, right? 
So the old narrative is I can't have any sweets. They're off limits, Mm -hmm. this black and white thinking. And the reframe would be I choose to enjoy sweets in moderation. They are part of the joy of the season. Mm -hmm. And let that just let that sink in. Breathe. Sit with it. And then breaking the belief that once you start, you have to finish. Yeah. So this is what I commonly see. Most most of the time, we're not actually tasting the food. We're not tasting the treat. Because often it's being picked up or eaten from a place of guilt or I shouldn't be having this. Most of the time, disassociation happens and someone can't even really tell you what something tasted like after they finished it. And you want to change that. You want to re-engage because, again, that foundational principle, it's supposed to taste good. You're supposed to enjoy it. You don't have to disassociate. It's supposed to taste good. It's supposed to let you up like a little Christmas tree. It's supposed to be like, oh, wow, that's delicious. Because then once that's allowed, once we're not afraid of that response, then we can sit there and actually taste each bite and decide, is this still tasting delicious to me? Do I still like it? Is this still Hitting the taste buds. Because besides that driving people to finish the treat, because they're not actually tasting it while they eat it, the second thing that drives people to finish things that they're not really enjoying or tasting is the belief that you need to finish it. Oh, you took it, so you should eat the whole thing. This is an outdated principle. No. Right? That's that's already been a picked cookie. You've touched it. It's now yours. You get to decide what to do with it. No one else is going to be eating that cookie but you. So if half of it gets thrown away, besides going into your stomach, that's not a fail. You weren't, you're not a morally bad person for not finishing the treat because you picked it up. It's now your cookie. No one else really wants to eat it, right? So it's this finish it attitude that we're given, especially young, right? If this comes from, oh, you need to finish your plate, right? You need to scrape it dry. We don't do food waste reframing that and understanding that within this category, you don't have to finish it. Or if that really does bother you, like food waste really start bothers with you, a half. start with a half. Like then you need to ask someone if they want to share it. it with you or you need to have a plan for taking the rest with you. Right. Because you're allowed to have that value, but that value should not make you cause harm to your body because you're overeating something you were pleasantly That you should have stopped. Yeah. Yes. Right. But guilt and shame from oh, I should finish this because then it's food waste, creates an unhealthy response to that treat or dessert as well. Yeah. So I hear that if you had a client where that was a value for them, that's that's amazing and that's fine. But you would help them really intentionally make plans to work around that so that it's not something that is harming them in the long term by overeating things that they could be done with. And so if that's you, you just have to make a better plan, Mm -hmm. an intentional plan. An intentional plan and decide, do you really need to uphold that all the time? Yeah. Because depending on how much that controls your life, one of the exercises I have people do is you have to throw half of it in the garbage and then realize and walk away that no one was harmed. Nothing bad happened. It, It helps you know if you have, if it's a freedom and it's always a choice or if it's a chain. And it's an interesting psychological exercise on many things. For some people, even just saying, you don't get to take your shower this evening. You just have to go to bed. Can you do it? Yeah. How trapped are you in belief systems and habits that may or may not be true? Right. So it's an interesting challenge sometimes. So besides these layers or these mindsets, 
what often can happen is the additional mindset of what I call the forbidden fruit mindset, which means you've made something super duper special and that food can only be consumed at certain times or it can never be consumed because it's the food that derails your progress. It's the food that you have no control around. It's the food that can't be in your house or you'll eat all of it. And this is happening not only because of the black and white thinking, the all or nothing, but also because you've made it this this thing that has halos and rainbows that come out of it, the forbidden fruit. Yeah, because it's a psychological principle that you won't really notice something mm-hmm. until, until you can't you have it. told your brain that it's not supposed to have it, and then it's, it almost becomes like an obsession. It's going to pick up on it every single time. Yes. The example I usually use with this one is your child hasn't played with the toy for months. Yes. And then suddenly you announce that it's leaving the house. You're going to give it away. And it is now their favorite toy. You can't. This is it. It's special. Or let's say you put it away, right? And now they know it doesn't exist in their toy box. Oh, they need it back. They absolutely have to have it because now it's gone. Mm -hmm. Now it's off limits. And this is, again, driving them the beliefs that you can't have that again in the future when it is false. It's not that special. Which leads to what the main theme is. This is why you feel like you can't stop eating sugar. And once you've enjoyed a cookie, you need 10 because it's the forbidden fruit. So since you wrecked it back to the first principle, Mm -hmm. now you're going to eat it all. Yeah. It's challenging the idea that if you are eating a dessert or a treat that you have failed. Mm -hmm. And the failure means different things to different people. But it typically sounds like now I'm not going to lose weight if that was a goal. Now I'm not going to become healthy. Now I'm going to be harmed, right? Whatever that lie is, because you can never eat it, because it's forbidden, now you've wrecked it. Yeah. The reframe around that is changing how you interact with it. It's reminding yourself that one, you can enjoy it. You can be trusted. And two, that you get to savor each bite. You get to be present with that delicious tasting thing. And savor each bite. I often tell people to think about it as, I get to enjoy this. I just need to pay attention. You should be paying attention. Oftentimes, it can get a little confusing in today's world about how you should be interacting with food. But you're allowed to be mindful with food. You're allowed to be intentional with food. And that that's a simple way of saying, you're allowed to pay attention. Do you want to keep eating it or do you want to stop? That makes sense. I think sometimes, like you said, the message gets kind of confusing. So what I'm definitely hearing with these, and I know you experience on a day-to-day basis, is they're all layered together, which is why you have to kind of keep peeling back the layers of the onion to get to the root drivers of the behavior of not feeling like you're trusted around sugar. Yes. I think that's one of the harder truths within this is if you feel like your relationship with sugar is up, down, all over the place, it's not one thing that's creating that. Yeah. It's all of these different layers for you start dealing with one mindset and then another one jumps in, right? It's it's what, what is your unique onion that needs to be peeled back? Because on top of that, besides those mindsets, those beliefs that are layered there, then you also have to recognize the emotional triggers. Yes. So you show up at your party and your mother-in-law says something cutting. Now you're on edge. Now you're stressed. And oftentimes, people have been taught to use food to cope with difficult emotions, right? And, And often, it's the only tool in their toolbox 
for dealing with emotions they don't like. And so you have that layer on top of this. Say it's your office Christmas party. How stressful was your work day? What were you dealing with? Because then that puts you at a more vulnerable place if you haven't planned or thought through, how do I want to interact at this holiday party, specifically with the treats and the sugar? Often it can lead to the dialogue of, oh, I've had a stressful day, so what the heck, I'm just going to do whatever. And then it leads to disassociation where you just no longer think about what you're putting on your plate. You're no longer tasting the food. You're just coping, right, with the stress, with just choosing to eat mindlessly instead of saying staying mindful because you're uncomfortable with the feelings that you're having. Yeah, and I think I've heard you say before too, it's not like sometimes eating food for emotional reasons can be a lifesaver and there can be positive qualities to it, but it's more that awareness thing where you have the permission to pay attention where you start to understand, do I do this all of the time with my emotions? Do I have any other tools in my toolbox for dealing with emotions or stressful days besides eating? Yes. So if the only tool in your toolbox with dealing with difficult emotions is food, then that's where it's problematic. Right. And for someone to hear it, there's no judgment there. Life is hard. You're being pressed and squished. And we have all experienced unprecedented levels of stress and trauma the last several years. So it's not an unreasonable expectation to believe that maybe you are using food to cope. But do you stay there? Is it serving you? And can it be replaced with something else? Like there's a kindness to it. Oh, absolutely. That's the, the number one thing is the first thing for anybody listening is thank goodness you have food to help you cope, right? Because life is hard. But what you do get to do is to decide, do you want to keep it that way? Do you want to only have food as a way to cope with hard feelings? You get to decide and choose if you would like to change that. Because the thing is, food doesn't always soothe the way that you want it to. Yeah, it's very temporary. Because it is only limited, right? Like you said, it's temporary. So acknowledging how that is not going to help you long term especially with certain emotions, is healthy. So with that being said, the reframe with that is treats are not your only source of comfort with difficult emotions. You can choose other things. And then also reminding yourself that you are in control of your emotional responses. You can find comfort in other things or you can work through that feeling in a new way. Potentially. And then that's something where you could work with a professional that seems like it doesn't make sense to your brain or you don't even know how you would walk down that road. Yeah. I, if if you know that emotional eating is something that you struggle with, I would highly recommend working with someone because if you try and do it yourself, it often takes years upon years to unravel it. And when you work with someone, you can move through it and find healthier ways of coping and different ways of coping much faster and in healthier ways. Because sometimes how someone learns to cope differently isn't healthy. Yeah, what we, you replace it with. What you healthy. replace us with it isn't healthy. A great example healthy. I heard once was someone who was, you know, like eating a cookie to deal with stress and then they didn't want the cookie. So then they replaced it with smoking a cigarette. Yes. So it is possible to come up with new ways that aren't healthy. So it helps to be really mindful of that. The last thing that I would say within this conversation is 
you're working to redefine what success looks like with desserts, treats, and sugar. Yeah, because I think at the beginning and even with people who are, you know, mentioning this conversation or saying they wanted this subject matter, they might be thinking that they want help for just not eating the cookies at all. Yes. Which, again, with society's messaging, makes sense that you could arrive at that conclusion. Yes, it makes I mean, I don't question why the average person sitting in front of me or that I'm talking to looks at me and and their goal is to not ever buy a treat again, to not ever make a treat again. And I think that's why this conversation is really important, because one of the things that really breaks my heart is how many people ask me, okay, what do I do this year? Because I don't want to make any treats because I eat them. When I yeah, make them. they won't make them for loved ones. And they won't make them for loved ones. But what's really sad to me is they typically often have kids they, and they have little kids. And you, they're completely trying to remove that way to bond, that way to have celebration, that way of celebrating the season and the meaning behind it. They're trying to cut that out. They're trying to not do it because they see their perception is, oh, eating those little bites to taste the cookies while I'm making them, that's harming me. That's wrecking my success. And the question to ask when you struggle with that is that really the way you think life is best lived. Yeah, it's a very constricted world and it's not a happy world. So many people believe that If they achieve whatever goal they believe they're going to get by avoiding this, will make them happy. And inevitably, I can promise you that you're not going to be happy because you've built a a life that's not reality. You've built a life that's not filled with any fun. It's not filled with any relaxing. There's not a lot of joy there, right? Because if the world that you're trying to live in that you believe is producing health is removing ways to connect with people and removing ways to relax. Like baking, scientifically, is one of the most powerful ways to relax. Because you're using your hands, Yeah, because it creates mindlessness in a good way, not with disconnection, right, blacking out your mind. Following instructions. Right, it is a really powerful way to take care of yourself. And the message is that you should not want to do this because your goal should be to potentially try and be a size or look a certain way that may not even be healthy because there's so many layers to this conversation. Because oftentimes I'm working with people who believe that just eating one square of chocolate is eating too much sugar. Right. Right. Or I'm working with someone that believes that they should have a number on the scale or a body fat percentage that is detrimental to long-term health, but they believe it's healthy. Yeah. So the layers within this is this is a little bit of a messy conversation because the perceived beliefs may or may not be healthy. It's hard. (laughs) It is hard. But the bigger hope is that you understand that some of your failure or some of your judgment or shame around treats at the holidays is being driven by these mindsets and a perfection mindset and a limited mindset that are driving you to failure. They, they're they completely changing the relationship with sugar. And if you remove them, it can be something that's full of joy and can be something that adds life and connection to your holidays. And the one thing I say is I, I had a friend who, she moved to a new town, not very connected, didn't want to bake because she's like, I, I'll eat all 12 cookies. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. I do understand you're not supposed to eat all 12. Okay. But one, you can freeze some. You can have some out that's, you know, reasonable to enjoy. You can freeze them. Two, you can take them to your job. I mean, I know we keep giving sugar a bad rap or that's less, you know, exciting. But it is really wonderful when somebody brings in baked goods. You can share them with others. You can bring them to neighbors. Like breaking out of a very limited mindset that says if you bake cookies, you're the only one who will eat them if you're by yourself. There's so many other ways to approach that to make it the beautiful thing that food and connection can be. Yes. Again, we're we're talking about who are you listening to and where are you getting your information from? Because are they trying to make a very black, dark world that you live in that's this perception of being healthy? Or are they trying to create a vibrant, colorful world that has peace, joy, freedom, excitement, community, connection. The number one question I would ask anyone, does the thought of eating a cookie give you anxiety or distress or anxiousness? The, the, the thing to know is that is not a normal way of thinking. No food, not any food on the face of this earth should elicit the emotional response that is anxiety, fear, or distress. That's not healthy. So then that means there's something to uncover. There's something to work on there. But the understanding also is that is not surprising if you answered yes, because the entire message around foods, I mean, we've reached a point with food where you really can't eat anything. Every food has been villainized practically, where it's not shocking that you have fear or anxiousness around eating something. But the exciting thing within that is It's not a world you have to live in. Mm -hmm. You get to decide if you want to live your life that way. You get to decide if you want to keep listening to people who have an unhealthy relationship with food and they're imparting that unhealthiness onto you. You get to choose. Who do you listen to? Do you want to be listening to someone who's putting chains on you and giving you fear, anxiety, and just making you believe that you're not a competent person around food? Or do you want to be sitting in a boat with people that are like, you don't have to have fear around food. It should not be giving you anxiety. You should actually enjoy eating. Food can be fun. You can have a, a balanced, healthy relationship with food, and that's what you should have. That's what God wants you to have. He intended us to have a healthy relationship with food. I could not agree more. So to wrap this up, obviously, this is a very deep conversation. And we would say for sure that if this is bringing up questions or you have questions once you've listened to it, like let us know because we want to help you get to the bottom of this so that you can experience joy and freedom around treats. But for right now in this moment, what are the top one to three things you would say, okay, to wrap up, try this on for size this holiday season? What's the tips you would give them? Number one, you're working to reframe what your goal is around treats. Mm. If your goal is none, I can predict your future this holiday season. It will be overeating and making yourself feel sick with treats because none is not actually healthy. Or if they do succeed, most likely you're going to boing at some point. have missed out though on being present and having joy and connection with people because all of your willpower and mindset would go to achieving 
that singular goal. You you don't experience the same party when your obsession is on the nun. And I know this from personal experience. It yes. takes a lot of thinking and willpower to, You're not paying to, attention. to win on the nun. Mm-hmm. You miss helping someone. Yeah, you miss, so, miss good conversation yeah. because you're so focused on using willpower to avoid something or limit something that you don't hear what's happening around you. And so if you've always tried that approach and you failed or not, maybe this is the year you try something different. Okay, what's next? The reminder that you can be trusted, Mm -hmm. that you're learning, and that you are working towards progress. There is no perfection to be had within this. So after each experience with treats, you get to ask yourself, did I enjoy how that went? Did I like how I responded to it? How does my body feel? How do I feel mentally? How do I feel emotionally? Do I want to repeat that? And you get to decide that without judging yourself, without deeming it a failure. Because we get to learn from each experience. Yeah. We get to take something away and we get to leave something behind. You get to say, oh, I want to do this differently. But you also get to recognize what you did right. Lastly, you don't want to be going to holiday parties or even making treats or even buying treats on an empty stomach. Or this is hungry. That physical component. This is the physical Set component. Set yourself up for success. Yes. Most people are experiencing what they call failure because they're often physically not foundationally nourished before being around sugar. And so if you're skipping meals, if you're not eating regularly, and your diet is limited in protein or even good fats, you're going to be on a blood sugar roller coaster. And then that's going to make you crave sugar. It's going to make you really hungry, and your body knows this, and it's going to create hormones that are going to make it difficult to stop eating sugar if you start. So one of the foundational things you can work on is just feed yourself consistently. Feed yourself faithfully. Have meals that have protein to change this holiday season significantly. Not skipping meals is a powerful tool in your toolbox to prevent getting to a dessert table or making desserts and feeling like you got on a runaway train that couldn't be stopped. All very good tips. Obviously, that's not the end. And again, we're here to help you find success. So if it raises questions, tell us. We're here to continue the conversation and just help you find these lighter and brighter ways of engaging with things like holiday treats. And hopefully along the way, find something different that you can choose as you go into the holidays. If you've made it to the end, you're amazing. You've chosen to spend a portion of your limited time in life with us in your ears and your brain space, and that's something we're so grateful for. Here's your reminder to be kind to yourself in the process of any change. If someone you know came to mind while you were listening to this podcast, hit share. They'll know you were thinking of them and have the opportunity to learn too. If you enjoy the show and you want to support it, please like it, subscribe to it, share it, or leave us a five-star review. It helps so much more than you know. We're glad you're here, and we're glad you're part of the Critical Conversations community, where together we're learning to ask better questions and choosing to do wellness differently.